Hallelujah. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, if you would. Uh, Y'all know a lot of times I'll minister in um, sermons or, you know, series. Hey, get on down here. You open that up for me. I'm not giving it to you. Get your own, man. Chase do a great job today. Our worship team did a phenomenal job. Come on, give it up. That's all right. You know, our, in church, it, it's a we've made it a bad thing to, uh, you know, honor people for performance. And performance is like a bad word in the church. We're not here to perform. We're not here to entertain you. But at the same time, there are gifts and talents on this stage that are being used for the glory of God. And you should honor that. Um, you should thank God for every teacher that's watching your child this morning. You should uh, thank Eric and Jimmy for what they're doing back there, running the sound and the words and making sure, uh, you know, that you can see everything we're singing and, re- and read everything we're preaching. And, you know, we need to honor those gifts. But, um, uh, you know, we're, we're not here to highlight someone's performance, but we're here to honor what God is doing in people's lives. And they're a gift to you. Uh, you know, many of you weren't here, but for the first two years of this church, we didn't have people on this stage. We had a computer playing music. And many of you that were here, uh, you drudged through that with me. Thank you. Um, so I know that you are thankful for what's up here on the stage, but you know, sometimes you just don't know what you have until you don't have it. And, um, and uh, I thank God for our worship team. I thank God for the anointing upon their lives and what they're doing. Amen. Luke chapter 4. God has directed me this month. Y'all know that I, I, I teach a lot and, and minister a lot in series and, uh, you know, staying in a vein. But God just kind of moved me this month just to kind of bounce around and gave me different thoughts and, um, you know, different things that I'm studying out, different things that I'm kind of just not not piecing together. They, they're really not tied together at all. How many of you were here last week minister on killing blessing? Anybody killing blessing this past week? Those things that God gave you, he's asking for you to put it on the altar. Why? Because it's not the source. Too many times we make the blessing that God has given us the source. And now we say, how are we going to meet the need if we don't have the, the blessing? And God's saying, I'm the one that blessed you. I'm the source. I'm the source of the blessing. And I will always be. I was. You were blessed before you had the source. You were blessed before you had the blessing. Remember we said last week that Abraham wasn't a father of many nations when Isaac was born. He was a father of many nations when God said, you're a father of many nations. And it took him 25 years and nine months to become uh, naturally what God had already spoken eternally and spiritually. Amen. Does anybody here believe that what you don't see is more real than what you do see? Does anyone here put more faith and more trust in what you don't have than what you do have? And too many times we take the blessing that God has given us and we turn that into the source. And now we say, if I don't have that job, if I don't have that finance, if I don't have that person, if I don't have that relationship, if I don't have that thing, then how am I going to do what God's called me to do? And he's saying, you still have me. I'm the source. He's still the source. Even when you have the resource, God is still the source. Amen. So that was last week's message in a nutshell. That's not all of it. So you need to go online and, and listen to it if you didn't. Uh, if you weren't here last week, believe it will bless you. But today I want to minister on a message called Under Armour. Under Armour. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, just to give you a little backstory, uh, Jesus has just shown up on the scene. Uh, to this point, he hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, uh, for 30 years of his life, um, he was the Son of God, but naturally wasn't manifesting that. 
on the inside, he was always the son of God, but he hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't preached. He hadn't, you know, done uh, any of the things that he did for the next three and a half years. You got to remember the majority of Jesus's life wasn't what we read about. We only read about three and a half years of his life. And a little excerpt from Luke chapter two that we pull out at Christmas time. And then, you know, every now and then we'll talk about when Jesus was 12 and his parents left him in uh, in, in the city. You know, how could they do such a thing? You just left your child in the city. But what do you say? I'm about my father's business. And, uh, you know, and, and that's really it. Then the next time we see Jesus. He is being uh, he's he's baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. He's being led out into the wilderness to be tempted by uh, Satan, 40 days and 40 nights. He goes without food. Uh, we read about the three temptations that we saw there uh, that the devil tempted him with. And every time he responded with the word. And then his first miracle, his first miracle is a magic trick, turning water into wine. We ministered on that a few weeks ago. You need to get that one. That one's real good. That one's real good. I'm not just saying it because I preached it. I'm saying it because it was real good. It's the word of God. But it was a great. Who was here that night when we talked about uh, saving the best for last? Okay, you got a few hands. That was some good stuff, man. That was good stuff. But that was his first miracle. Uh, and, and, and here in Luke chapter 4, we're still at the beginning. He steps up into the synagogue and he reads out of Isaiah chapter 61. And then after he finishes that passage, he says, uh, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me, <laughs> has anointed me. Right. And then he says, and this day in your eyes, it's been fulfilled in front of you. And that just, you know, set them off. What, what would it look like if, if God met your needs? but did it differently than you were expecting. And I wonder how many times do we miss out on what God is doing because he doesn't do it how we would do it. It's interesting. And so after he ministers that, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, it says this. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Many lepers in, were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. But none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now look what it says here in verse 28. And all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. <laughs> Jesus made people mad when he preached. He upset some people. They were filled with wrath when they heard these things. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. Boy, that must have been a bad message. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. And they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. I would not suggest that if you don't like today's message, do not kick me out of city. Do not kick me out of church. Do not take me to some cliff and throw me off. Didn't work for Jesus. It won't work. <laughs> didn't work for them. It won't work for you. I'll walk right through the midst. He doesn't even fight back. He doesn't even fight back. But he, what, what basically, you know, we're seeing, he ticked them off, man. Why? Because he's talking to a bunch of religious leaders that had been doing something for a long time. Um, and, and I can relate because I am a line upon line, you know, bullet point. I got to see it before I do it type of guy. I, I and, and I got to know how it's going to play out before I take my first step. 
Uh, you know, that's, that, that's just me. That's my personality. And, and really, the last four years have stretched me like no other because there is nothing uh, like living a life of faith like pastoring. Because at any, at any point, any weekend, you can decide not to come back. There is nothing uh, saying that this is where I have to go. And, and, and we've said it before. You've got plenty of options in this town, man. I mean, you don't, you don't have to go very far. You can walk to the next church from here. I mean, you can park here and say, I don't like it there, and walk down to the next one and try it out and leave your car here for all it matters. You know, and, and, and so, you know, this has really stretched me. But I, I relate to these guys because... You know, I, I like to know what's coming next. And, and even though God speaks a word by faith, see, they knew God's prophecy. They knew God was sending somebody, but they didn't know God's plan. You can know God's prophecy over your, over your life, but you might not know God's plan. And they knew God's prophecy. God is sending a Messiah. They just didn't know he was sending Jesus. What does it look like when God answers your problem differently than you would answer it, differently than what you're expecting, differently than what you're looking for? Do we still receive? Do we, are we still open to that? Are we, we still uh, believing? Uh, you know, uh, do we really have inside of us, God, you can meet my need however you want to meet my need, whatever you want to do. And, and that's what we want to look at today. And he uses a reference of a man named Naaman, and, and really this Naaman guy uh, comes from a territory that the Israelites are not real fond of because the Syrians for a long time were just whipping the, the Israelites when, when, they were in, when they were in disobedience and not living for God. You know, the, the Syrians were one of those nations that God would open up and uh, allow to defeat and conquer Israel to get them to turn back to God. Well, they don't want to hear about this guy. This isn't a... This isn't like one of their heroes. If you want to bring up a hero, if you want to say, uh, you know, uh, uh, look to Abraham. They love Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Look to Moses. I mean, Moses is the one that got us out of Egypt and brought us into the promise. Uh, let's look at David. David is one of the most talked about men in the entire Bible. There are more chapters devoted to David in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, than, than almost anybody else in the Bible. Let's talk about King David. We love King David. But no, he brings up a man named Naaman who was the leader of an army that defeated the Israelites a lot. And so the, 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 the first thing that I want you to see is we can't miss what God is doing because of how he does it. You can't miss what God is doing because of how he does it. And if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll see a little more. We'll see this story of Naaman. I believe this is going to minister to you today. I, I believe, you know, like I said, God has got me on a different tangent. It's a little bit different for me, just week by week, ministering something different right now. And I believe each one of these messages are going to set you up for something. In December, I'm going to be ministering on a message that has nothing to do with Christmas. Um, because what happens is, is Christmas, um, I hope you paint this the right way, distracts us from what's really happening. 
Christmas has become a distraction, and we've missed the point of Christmas. And even though I say it has nothing to do with Christmas, I believe that it has everything to do with Christmas. Um, but I'll just go ahead and set you up. I'll just go ahead and give you my little teaser. This is a little infomercial. You can get teased for where we're going in December. You know, for some reason, we always wait till January to talk about resolutions. Usually, we, we talk about how we're going to start the next thing before we talk about how we finish the thing that we're currently in. And I don't know, maybe some of you have already started putting yourself in the direction of how you're going to start your new year out. But why aren't we talking about how we're going to finish 2015? Why aren't we talking about how we're going to wrap this thing up? Maybe there's some things we didn't finish this year before we start talking about what we're going to start next year. And when, when God sent Jesus, he wasn't starting something new. He was finishing something old. And that's why when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Not begun. Finished. Done. Because Jesus came to complete something, not to start something. What, did he, what was he completing? He was completing something from Genesis chapter 1. That's all you get. You're going to have to come in December. You're just going to have to come back. All right. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman... The commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. The Lord had given him victory. He was also a mighty man of valor, comma. And that's where most of us live. We live in the comma. It doesn't say he was also a mighty man of valor, Period. End of discussion. Let's talk about how great the man was. It says he was a mighty man of valor, comma, but a leper. Everyone say but. Everybody's got a but. Naturally and figuratively. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, we all know how to cover it, too. But what's, up, what's under the armor? He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. A prisoner of war. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. The king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. He's willing to make an investment for his healing. He's willing to put something in to get something out. He realizes it's going to cost me something. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Now he's even taken a letter from his king. Now he's even got something in his hand that it almost says, You have to heal this man. Right? You, you, this is what you've got to do. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter 
He tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill or make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you turned your cl- torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. He stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, uh, sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He's looking for a magic trick. He's not looking for a miracle. I thought he would just come out here and wave his hand over me. I thought he would just come out here uh, uh, and just, you know, speak one of those words, one of his little prophet words. Uh, and, and, you know, I thought he was going to do some kind of mighty thing. And Elisha doesn't even go out to him. This is a man of war. This is a leader. This is a, a general in the army. This is a mighty man of valor. This would be like one of the leaders of our nation showing up uh, with ten escalades carrying all their money and all their stuff that they're willing to give you in return. This is their payment. This is what they're willing to lay down. Got the Secret Service all around them. Got the entourage. Got everybody with them. And a messenger shows up. Don't kill the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Elisha doesn't even go out to him himself. Sends a messenger to run out to this leader, to this great man. Uh, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Now he's saying how he would have done it. I, I, I had better. I'm looking for my miracle, but you're sending me backwards to go forward. I had better where I was, is what he's saying. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? (laughs) Would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Naaman. Naaman's a great man. The Bible says he's a mighty man. A victorious man. The first thing we see about Naaman is his servant. Naaman is a faithful man. Naaman's dedicated. I mean, you you don't rise to the position he's at, and you don't accomplish what he's accomplished uh, uh, lazily, taking things for granted. This is a man that uh, has 
had opportunities and he's taken advantage of every opportunity. He has shown himself strong at every opportunity he's gotten. He's been he's recognized for his service, for his dedication to his country. We've got people like that in our own in our own country that we honor, that we uh, thank them for their service and thank them for giving their lives for this nation and for what they do. And so we see Naaman's service. And his service brought him a lot of success. The second thing we see about Naaman was his success, his victory. And the Bible even tells us that the Lord was with him. This was a successful man. On the outside, he's got it all together. His, his armor, his armor is a representation of his success. His armor screams, I'm successful. His armor screams, I'm victorious. His, his armor screams, I've accomplished something. Have you ever noticed that success never satisfies? You ever noticed that? You, you, you were wanting the, the $10 an hour job, and, and then pretty soon that didn't become enough. And, 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 and then you, you had to have the 15. You wanted this car, and then you had to have the next car. You wanted this job, and you had to get the next job. You wanted this position, and you had to get the next. Success never satisfies, and success was never meant to satisfy. Success is a tool to be used. But it's, it, it is a means to the end, but it is not the end. Being successful is not the end. Your success just gets you into positions of influence. And so even though he's successful on the outside, a mighty man of war, the Bible tells us he was also a mighty man of valor. We know those same words came about Gideon before he was a mighty man of valor. Says he was a mighty man of valor, comma, but a leper. He was successful on the outside while he's wearing away on the inside. And I wonder who in this room today you, you you're hiding behind the successes. You're you're hiding behind the armor. See, the armor uh, wasn't only uh, see. You know, most of us think of armor as protecting our inside from the outside. But what Naaman was doing was he was using his armor to protect the outside from his inside. He was using the armor to hide what was on the inside from the outside. And, and, and I don't know how many of you, maybe uh, in your homes or maybe uh, at your jobs or with your friends or with your families, that you have to put on something on the outside, but on the inside you know you're something completely different. If I could just be a little transparent with you today, I, I, I have to do this. I, I have to get up here. And, and, and sometimes I've had an argument uh, in the car on the way here. And I've got to find a way to fester it up uh, to give you a word because I'm assigned to bring a word to you today. But on the inside, I'm thinking, man, I need someone to give me a word today. I've got something on the inside. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk about this in our leadership circles that we've got to be one thing in front of the people, but then there's people at home that know that we're something different. 
may have successful. I don't know what you're good at. This would be his gift. This would be his talent. This would be what God has blessed him with. It said the Lord helped him accomplish these things. You've got gifts and you've got talents that when you're in front of people, man, it's great. It's out there and the Lord has given them to you. The Lord has blessed you with those talents. But you know, when I walk off the stage, uh, I was listening to a minister just recently. Uh, he, he has, just in the last 10 years, his ministry and his church has just blown up. Uh, and, and just 10 years ago, he came from a small little town that nobody's ever even heard of. And 10, 10 years, his church is over you know, almost 20,000 people, and he's ministering globally all around the world. His, his name is a household name now. And he was ministering at a conference that had close to 100,000 people at it. And he said, most ministers, most people, live for that moment on the stage standing in front of around 100,000 people. But he said, after I walked off the stage, my wife was there. And two of my key leaders. And he said, I live for the moment after the moment. I live for the moment because I could stand in front of 100,000 people, but if I walk off that stage and my wife's not there, I haven't done a thing. What are the moments we're living for? What are we really calling success? His service has brought him success. But he's yet not satisfied. His success doesn't satisfy. On the outside, he's wearing armor, and people are thinking that he's wearing this armor to protect his inside from the outside, but really he's trying to protect the outside from his inside. He doesn't want, he's hiding what's on the inside from the outside. So, what's under the armor is what I want to talk about today. Leprosy is a disease. Leprosy is a disease where your skin and body parts literally deteriorate. And while he's wearing the armor, he's deteriorating away on the inside. Now, leprosy is caused, it's actually a disease of the nerves, the nerve endings. The nerve endings become dull, and they can't sense pain. And where you can't sense pain, you don't know how to treat, and you don't know who treats. It's not too common today. It's not as common today. It was very common back then. We just saw Jesus say there were many people that were lepers, but only one was healed. Only one was washed and cleansed. And so I wonder, underneath the armor, what parts of you are deteriorating because you won't allow yourself to feel pain? He's living in his victories. He's living in his successes. He's living in the things that he's overcome. But on the inside, he's deteriorating because he's not, in, he's not allowing himself to feel pain. Sometimes. Have our successes desensitized our lives to the real problem? Have our victories caused us to become numb to the places that are really hurting? Because it's easy Monday through Friday to put on the jacket, put on the shirt, put on the hat. And go and do your gifts and be successful and, and do your thing. And 
And all the while, you're, you're not having to treat the problem on the inside because you're living in the successes on the outside. In essence, we employ our abilities to cover our disadvantages. We employ our abilities, our gifts and our talents, our successes and our victories to cover what's really falling apart on the inside. I don't know who I'm ministering to today, but I, I, I believe I'm ministering to somebody. I know I'm ministering to myself. We've always got opportunities to rely on our gifts to cover our failures. But God wants to meet that need. God wants to bring healing to the hurt. God wants to bring healing to the hurt. Wherever the hurt is, whatever's hurting. You win everyone else's battles but your own. Naaman is winning battles for his country, yet he's losing his own battle on the inside. You win everyone else's. Man, you can solve their problems, but when it comes to your own, you, I don't have the answer. I, I'm so, I, I don't even know where to start. Come on. And when you don't allow yourself to feel pain, we trick ourselves into thinking there's no problem. Well, what happens is, is that area is deteriorating the whole time, and we're not treating it because we don't know there's a problem. See, pain isn't bad. It's how you respond to the pain. It's not the pain that's hurting you. It's the response to the pain. Because if you could take care of the pain, let me take it a little deeper. Take care of the thing that's causing the pain. Because in our world today, we just want to medicate. I worked in a pharmacy, and I don't know how many times the doctor would prescribe a pain pill and an infection medication, an antibiotic, and they don't want to get the antibiotic, but they just want the pain pill. I just want to get rid of the pain. No, you want to get rid of the infection that's causing the pain. We live in a culture that just says, just help me get rid of the pain. I don't want to deal with the problem, but if you deal with the problem, you'll get rid of the pain. And in churches, we're beginning to self-medicate people. Just come and get your little word today. Just come up in here, and, and, and we'll just make you feel better. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can feel good on Sunday morning and just feel as bad on Monday morning if you don't take care of the problem on Sunday morning. We're here not to self-medicate, but to treat. To treat. That's why this church is here. I don't want to give you just a feel-good message about your marriage and everything's going to be okay. We want to treat the problem. Let's sit down and find out why the marriage is failing. It's not blaming people. It's restoration. It's moving forward. It's getting out of a mess and going into something that brings life. We're not here to talk about uh, your finances and just make you feel good. Well, you know, God said he would supply all your needs. Well, maybe there's something you're doing wrong. Maybe we need to cut the credit card. Maybe we need to start saving. Maybe we need to quit buying every new thing that comes out on the market. Maybe we need to stay faithful at a job instead of bouncing around uh, and, and thinking that the next one's going to be better than the last one. We, and we want to self-medicate. Well, you know, you've got influence there. I mean, God's going God's to help you make influence. God's going to turn it around for you. you. I believe, God, you're going to get the right boss. I believe you, you're going to get coworkers that just love you. 
I'm preaching now. I mean, we, 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 we just want to self-medicate. We just want the just give me the pain pills. Because if I don't have the pain, then I don't have a problem. Okay. So we employ our abilities to cover our disabilities. We put our successes out front because we don't want our people to see our failures. And we notice here that the Syrians went out on a raid and they brought back a young girl. Prisoner of war from another country. So not this man's daughter. Not even someone that really ought to have a voice into his life. She's not someone that Naaman would sit down with and say, so tell me about me. What do you think I should do about this? Yet she has a solution. Maybe your answer is coming from your most unlikely source. And she got to see a side of Naaman that nobody else got to see. She got to see him when the armor came off. See, sometimes we don't allow people to be a voice in our life because we don't show them the pain. We're so busy hiding the problem and looking like we don't have a problem, and then we wonder, why won't they ever give me a vaccine? Why won't they ever help me? You know, you know, I'm struggling here. My, my friend, it's because you're not opening yourself up to them. You're not giving them the real you. You're giving them the you that looks like they got it all together. Now, I will say this. There are some people that don't need to know what you're going through. Because they can't help you. You've got to be careful, though. I'm not telling you to get on Facebook and post your problems and then see how many responses you get. It's not what I'm saying. You've heard me say it before. You get 10 answers from 10 different people, and you get 10 different answers. God's the one that can meet your needs. Maybe, maybe the voice that's the closest to you is the one that's on the inside of you, and we've already set that one up. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, and he's closer than anyone. But I wonder what sources we've shut out of our lives, devalued, and not given the opportunity to be a voice in our lives. The most unlikeliest of people. And this young girl gets to see him when the armor comes off. She sees the problem. She sees the success. She also sees the failure. She sees the pain. She sees the hurt. She sees what's under the armor. I don't know who you have that's close to you. I don't know who in your life sees what's under the armor. It may be your spouse. It may be a really good friend. Or it may be somebody that you would never expect. But they see it. And they've got a word from God for you that could heal you. So this young girl sees Naaman. Uh, she saw the man after the moment. She saw the man after the victory. 
you saw after he would triumph through town with his army behind him and everyone's chanting his name, everyone's rooting him on, everyone's praising him and, 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 and so excited and so thankful for what he's done. And then after, he, after the parade's over, after everyone's gone home when they're picking up the trash, when all the armies have gone back to their families, he comes into the tent and he pulls off that armor and there's a scab. There's a deterioration. Uh, she, she sees him with his head hung low rather than his chest up high. She, she sees a man that's wincing at pain and, you know, hard to move and putting bandages on to keep the sores from opening. The infection from spreading. That's the man she sees. And after everyone's cheered him on, she sees the man after the moment. Now, there's a very simple word. There's a very simple word. Go see the prophet in Israel. There's a man there that can heal you. She gives him direction. She leads him to the source, leads him to the answer. And so he, being a mighty man, conjures up his idea of what I need to invest to get what I, he wants healing. He wants healing. He does not want to live with this leprosy. He does not want to live with this pain. He does not want to live with this deterioration. He wants answers. And for so long, he has covered up, and now he's finally gone down and said, okay, I'm going to get help. But I'm going to get help my way. And he shows up with his chariots, and he shows up with his horses, and he shows up with his entourage, and he shows up with his, his money, and he shows up with his fine linens, and he shows up with his treasures, and his, his, his gold, and his silvers, and his, his, his fine jewels. And this is what's interesting to me. This is what's interesting. Elisha sends out a messenger. Elisha doesn't even come out himself. And the messenger says, okay, if you want to receive your healing, go down to the Jordan River, dip in it seven times, and when you come up, you'll be healed. Now, I just want to ask this question. This is not rhetorical. I want, I want a response. Who in here thinks that that is a hard thing? Who thinks that's a hard thing? It's hard to go down to a, a river, dip in it seven times. Nobody. At the end of the day, the assignment is very easy. And watch this. He's actually, it's actually going to cost him a lot less than he was willing to pay. He actually could leave with the same amount of finance and the same amount of treasure and the same amount of linens as he showed up with. Now, I know you and I are thinking, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> you're nuts, man. Just go dip in the water. But what happens when God wants to meet your need 
He's going to do what you want him to do, but he's not going to do it how you want him to do it. You'll see in the Bible many times Jesus asked people that were in need of healing or in need of something. He would ask them, what can I do for you? Or what would you have me do? But notice he never asked them, well, how do you want me to do it? Right? Because I'm sure the blind guy that got mud rubbed in his eyes would have opted out of the mud part. I mean, you can't just do one of those speak the word things. I mean, I heard about this centurion uh, uh, that, that, that came to you one time, and, and you were going to travel with him. And, and he said, man, all you got to do is just speak the word. My servant will be healed. And his servant was, can't just do that. Just do one of those. Because what did Naaman say? I thought he would speak the word, wave his hand over me, and I would be healed, right? He had the idea. He had the concept. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to tr- truck on down here. I'm going to bring all my guys with me. We're going to show up because I'm bad. I got my armor on. I, I look what I've done. And I'm going to show up. I'm going to bring him all this money because, you know, prophets, they in ministry. They ain't doing too good financially. So we're going to hook them up. We're going to get them some clothes, man. We're going to get them some suits. We're going to show up in our Escalades. And we're going to uh, pull out the suitcases. You know how they do in the movies. they got the, black, the guys in the black suit with the sunglasses, and they open up the suitcase, and it's loaded with money. And he's going to be like, man, you are such a blessing. Here's your healing. Here's your miracle. I mean, that's literally what the Bible says. He's going to wave his hand over me. expectation. I, I know some people in the Bible that would have, I, I know Jairus would have rather Jesus have not stopped and then have to have someone come to him saying, hey, don't bother the master anymore, your daughter's dead. I know the, the woman with the issue of blood would have rather just touched the garment and gone her way. Instead of Jesus stopping in the midst of the crowd and saying, who touched my cloak? What's the miracle you're expecting? And are you missing it? Are you missing it because God isn't doing it the way you expected him to do it? Don't get locked up in how God wants to do it. Because if you are looking for how God will do it, you'll miss what God is doing. He's asking him to do what you and I, and and probably uh, actually we see one of his servants, one of his men speaks up and says, now wait a minute, if he asked you to do a hard thing, wouldn't you do it? Right, let's look at it. Verse Verse 13, and his servants came near and spoke to him. Again, Naaman is surrounded by people that really shouldn't have any type of voice in his life, yet they're speaking up. People that maybe he's devalued, people that maybe he's, he's thought is, yeah, you can't help me. You, you, you're on the bottom rung. You, you, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the pain I'm in. And his servant speaks up and says, now, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? What's he saying? 
He's, asked, he's actually asking you to do something very simple. Sometimes we miss God because we're looking for him to do something great, and he just wants to move in the simple. wants to move in the simple. We're, we're, we're believing God for a marriage, and we're believing God that our wife is just going to wake up the next day and just being so in love with us and repent and ask for forgiveness and just, uh, and, 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 and God's saying, she, but, but she did this for me. You're, you're missing this. Maybe it's the fine. We're looking for God to pay, pay off our car, and somebody bought you lunch today. Are we missing God moving because we only look for it in specific, in, in, in specific parameters, in a certain way? Are we putting a box on God and saying, God, you can move in my life, but you can only move by doing such, such, and such? Don't pay off one credit card. You've got to pay them all off. I wonder. I wonder. What are we missing? And so, we've seen the service, we've seen the success, but now Naaman is about to get tested in an area of submission. We've seen his service, we've seen his success, his victories, his triumphs, his services, his gifts, and his talents, the things that God has blessed him to do. You've got service, your service has been successful. But now, God wants to know, will you submit? Because if you want to see God's power, it requires your obedience. If you want to see God's power, it will require your obedience. Elisha didn't pull out the book of leprosy healing and come up with the ingredients or you know, there's no book that says, okay, if you have this, this is what you need to do to fix this, right? Because Jesus healed blind people a bunch of different ways. Jesus healed lepers a bunch of different ways. Jesus raised people from the dead a bunch of different ways. It's all about submission. It's all about submission. Because honestly, guys, God doesn't just want to heal Naaman's skin. Wants to heal his heart. He's got a heart condition, not a skin condition. He turned away in rage when the messenger came out. He turned away upset and angry when he was told to go dip in some dirty, nasty, glittery water. He's mad. His heart just came out. God's not just wanting to heal the leprosy. He's wanting to heal the heart. God's not just wanting to take care of what's on the outside. He wants to take care of what's on the inside. Now, you can be made to comply, but you can't be made to submit. Compliance is action. Compliance is outward. Submission is heart. Submission is inward. And Naaman could have easily gone down to the Jordan and said, okay, Anything different? I just I really don't feel like no. Maybe it's maybe it's working already. He had to go down with a submitted, a 
you're upset because of who God sent you. This is the messenger. You're, you're upset with the job that you have. You're, you're upset with the coworkers you have. You're, you're upset, and, and God's saying, those are the very people that I've placed in your life to be a blessing to you and to help you meet the need that I see. But maybe I'm going to meet your need differently than you would meet your need, right? If you could meet the need, you wouldn't need God. If you could do it, you wouldn't need him. Your best bet is to just go with God. Your, your best move is just to say, God, that's not how I would do it, but it's going to bring me the answer. I'm going to do it. And at the end of the day, it, it, it actually was asking him to sacrifice less than what he was willing. It, it was asking him to sacrifice his dignity. It's asking him, this is a mighty man of valor. You don't tell me. You don't send a messenger out to me and tell me to go dip in some dirt, dirty river. If I'm going to go dip in some water, I've got some nice I've got access to the greatest stuff that the king can offer. Why can't I go to this river or that river? You go where God tells you to go. You do it how God tells you to do it. And you do it when God tells you to do it. And then he will do what you're expecting him to do. Submission. To see his power requires our obedience. Hmm. Submission. Jesus used Naaman as an example because Jesus was about to show up and do a whole new thing. He was about to mess their stuff up. Jesus, the Son of God, uh, the, the first thing they said about Jesus after he, I mean, that's a drop the mic moment right there. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Da-da-da, names the five things. And today, this has been fulfilled in your eyes. Boom, it walks off the stage. And everyone's in an uproar, man. I mean, he's just, he's just throwing it down. And the first thing they say, isn't that Joseph's son? Familiarity is dangerous. Isn't that Joseph's son? Rather than, that's God's son. And they looked at him based on his outside rather than his inside. And, and so Jesus uses Naaman as an example. Because God was about to bring what these religious leaders were believing for, but he was about to do it differently than how they thought he would do it. So today, what is it? Chase, Luke, if you all would come up. What is it that is under the armor. What is it that's under the armor that you need a touch from God? You need a touch from God. Boy, you can wear it, man. We, we can all come to church putting a smile on the face. I mean, this is one of the happiest places there is. This is one of the, the, the most exciting places. And, and we do that on purpose. This, is, this should not be a depressing place to come to. If the house of God is just a bunch of sad people, that man, we just all got hurts and pains, and hopefully we can get what we need today. But, man, you ought to be able to be an encouragement to somebody else. 
regardless of what's going on in your life. You leave it at the door and you say, when I walk through that door, I'm going to be a blessing to someone else's need. And God's going to meet my need. I've got something to give away. And I know God's going to show up for me. This is a happy place on purpose. But then what about their need? What about what's under the armor? Under the smile? Under the hug? Under the handshake? What's underneath? What's hurting? What is in pain? But you've been desensitized to? What's, what, 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 is, what is, 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 is pulling on you, but you become numb to it? God wants to meet that need today. But maybe just like Naaman, and maybe just like Israel, God wants to meet it differently than you thought he would do. Maybe God has a different plan to achieve the same purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. If you're holding out and saying, God, you're going to meet my need and this is how you're going to do it, you're going to miss it. But if we just become submissive, not just complain, okay, I'll go to church, God. I'll go, okay, I'll give that guy $20 even though I need it. I'll, I'll help him buy his lunch. Okay, you know I need gas, but now you're helping me. You're telling me to go pay for this guy. But if you'll be submissive, you'll find out that it's actually a small thing he's asking you to do. It's not the big thing. It's not the, you're saying, God, I've laid this down and I've laid this down. Would you, would you, if he asked you to do a great thing, would you do it? Then why won't we obey in the small thing? Let's get a submissive heart today. We've got the service. We've got the success. Well, let's, let's get the submission. Let's get the submission. Look, the Lord's helped us. There's no doubt about it. The Lord helped Naaman achieve the successes and the victories. The Lord helped him. But if you've been relying on the Lord to help you in your victories and been missing how he wants to help you in your failures, studying these messages, God doesn't, you know, show up in my office and say, now here's what you need to minister on, and this is who needs it, and this is why they need it. What He doesn't show me that stuff. That's you. That's you. But this message is for someone in this room. Somebody needed to hear a word from God today. Somebody needed to know that God wants to take care of what's under the armor. He's helped you. That personality you got that's vibrant and will talk to anybody, he's helped you with that. But then there's stuff on the inside that you won't share. There's stuff on the inside I ain't talking about. I ain't going there. But God's going to meet the need. Some of you are hard working. I mean, you love to work. You will help somebody else before you help yourself. You will sacrifice everything for the next door neighbor while your house is falling apart. somebody else's car while yours can barely make it down the road. That's been given to you by God. But on the inside you know there's, there's needs.
there's stuff under the armor. There's deterioration taking place. There's 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 some hopelessness here. This I, you know I, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. I mean Naaman could only go for so much longer before the deterioration on the outside began to show up, or the deterioration on the inside began to show up on the outside, and it would keep him from being able to do the very assignment God called him to do. But today, today, God wants to take care of the need. God wants to take care, not just the pain, but the problem. He wants to be the answer. He wants to be the solution. But maybe it'll look a little different. Maybe it'll look a little different. I want everyone in this room to just raise your right hand. Head bowed, eyes closed. But just raise your right hand. Raise your right hand. Say this to me. Say, Father, no longer will I miss how you do it. No longer will I put aside how you want to accomplish it. But I submit myself to your way. What you want to do and how you want to do it in my life. Open my ears and open my eyes to those that you send to me to get me on the right path. To give me direction and guidance. And I will listen and obey and submit no matter what it costs. I will give it up and you will be glorified and you'll receive the praise. Now, Father, I thank you for every person in this room, whatever the need, whatever the discouragement, whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, whatever uh, is deteriorating, failing, and falling apart on the inside. Father, I thank you right now. I speak a blessing over their life. That what we've been hiding on the in, on the inside because of the victories on the outside, we now allow you, however, to reach that need, to meet that need in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Father, we thank you this morning for this word. We thank you that it's been set down in good soil. I thank you that it will uh, accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. It will not return to it. We thank you that we'll see the word produce results in our lives as we submit ourselves to it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.